Welcome back to Drawing the Line with Nate Draken. And for some reason, Parker Ballner's here. Not entirely sure why. But we have a packed show for you today. Boy, you didn't like that? You didn't like that introduction? No. Um, it sounded really aggressive. God. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got a packed show for you today. Austin, Texas prepares to follow in the footsteps of California to combat homelessness. My dog tries to knock over all the cords. We're going to talk about, apparently, I have a new favorite board game, Trump is Hitler, and how much wine is actually healthy. All that, and usually you say, and more, but we don't have more. But that's it. All that. So, all, all that and the line. all that. <laughs> all that and drawing the line today. All right, so, Nate, let's hear what you got for politics. So, according to KXAN, Changes to the way of the city of Austin and its police department will handle homelessness go into effect Monday after the city passed an ordinance largely decriminalizing the act of sitting, laying, or camping in public spaces. And this comes on the heels of much complaint from politicians such as Gavin Newsom over in California who's been basically the governor of California for I think 22 years, so a long time. And one of the main problems is California is, as we know, experiencing massive levels of homelessness. Yeah. And so the way he seeks to explain it is interesting. Um, it's really – it's one of those things where we can't really there's – no, there's no way you can possibly blame the Republicans because there are basically no Republicans – in the California, yeah. <laughs> they run out of like people to point fingers at. Right? Yeah, so it's really it's really all them. It's all them, and so what's surprising is the city of Austin. The city of Austin needs to be looking at California and being like, "Hey, maybe we don't want to end up like this." But no, apparently not. Apparently they want to. So I'll explain a little bit about what the Austin city police are going to do and why this is a problem, as we've seen in California. So KXAN clarifies with the city and Austin police that the obstruction ordinance, previously known as sit-lie law, only applies downtown, but the changes to camping and aggressive confrontation ordinance, formerly panhandling, applies citywide. So what this law is basically saying is people in Austin have the right to basically sleep wherever they want. And I believe the law specifically says that they have to be with, I think outside of 10 feet of, like, businesses and entrances, and then outside of, of, like, 500 feet of, like, schools and parks. So, like, great, that basically accomplishes nothing. Um, but, yeah, I guess you can look at them from I mean, across the street. it makes it street. a little stricter, but now but instead of – I guess you can – I don't know. Instead of next to the business, it's yeah, just instead of walking, in the alley, like, two of, feet yeah, away. There you go. Instead yeah. of walking out your front door and tripping over a homeless person, you can walk out of your front door – Look to the right, and there's a homeless person. <laughs> oh, no. So you, you changed a lot, the city of Austin. And this has been a problem because California does this. They've basically decriminalized how they treat the homeless. And usually homeless people are most commonly have psychological issues, drug addiction problems. And so it's not healthy to be living on the street. And one of the things that any good economist would tell you is – if you incentivize something, people are going to do it more. And so it's ridiculous because this comes on the on the heels of courts saying, oh, well, if the city can't provide enough affordable housing, then people have the right to sleep on the street. 
okay, the, no, if this if the city can't give you a car, doesn't mean you, I guess you can go just take one. I'm I'm confused how that logic holds. If your city, yeah, if you don't have a car, it doesn't mean you can't just ride the bus for free. That's a pretty. That's a pretty. I don't know if you can get rights involved, but I mean the concept of if there's not enough affordable housing, if all these people have been gentrified where they've lived their entire lives, you're going to see a rise in homelessness. Right, and what we should be doing to combat that is, if there's a shortage in housing, what should you do? Maybe make more houses. Maybe maybe that would be a good idea. But that's the thing. Who, that's, Blowing... Like you said, making affordable housing. Right. Right. But who's nobody's doing that? Well, see, nobody wants to. Nobody wants to do that. Everyone wants to buy into like the whole, you know, new urban lifestyle where it's like super luxury and like all this other stuff. So they get they don't have time or the money to allocate for housing for people that need it. So two things: one, in California, they're actually rent controlling, so there actually are incentives for builders not to build, which is why, as we'll see, they're expending. They're going to spend about a billion dollars of taxpayer money to try and build affordable housing, quote-unquote. Two, you're right, developers would like to build luxury houses, but the level of kind of need that lower-income people want is not the level that middle-class to upper-class people want in their apartments. So that means that we should build cheaper apartments they could just be built cheaper right? right outside of the city where it's not of not where property tax and property isn't as expensive that sounds like a win-win for me so we should if we if we want more of something we should saturate the market with it if we want more cell phones if you want cell phones to be cheaper let's saturate the market with cell phones and create cheap cell phones so you can you can be i mean you can be i mean you just the, need to you need to find the builders that are willing to you know, make lower quality housing units and stuff Well, the like great that. thing is the economy, and that's what capitalism is. Like, it provides. So we started, so I love taking cell phones as an example. We started with the block cell phones that were like $1,000, a lot, a lot of money, to only the point where companies could buy them. Not even individual people. Yeah. Companies. And you had yeah. to carry around those little case and pull up the antenna and everything. And then we saturated the market with cell phones. And now you can go to Walmart. And buy a little flip phone. Probably twenty bucks. Yeah, yeah. So I, we need we need more. If so we you're have, trying to apply the same concept, except just scaled up, right? Because right. Because that's it's I the mean, same principle. A different a different thing. But no, but it's the same principle. I guess market wise, yeah, it's the same principle. It's the same principle. So the developers might not be there, but they'll the market will provide. They'll they'll come. It's usually how it works. If there's a if there's a need for more housing and it needs to be more affordable. The, the market you provides it, it always does it, it always has for any great need that americans have wanted it started out super expensive take cars for example started out super expensive and then slowly as more people wanted it it became cheaper and cheaper and cheaper and now cars are basically ubiquitous in our society today i mean the poorest people in some of the poorest people in the united states own cars yeah well, which is incredible because the richest people, like, 100 years ago, couldn't even dream of that. Some of the richest people couldn't even dream of that. Like, that was a huge luxury to see the to see the kind of amenities that the poorest people among us have in their appliances and vehicles is insane. Well, that's so true. We should I mean, saturate... that's just how industrial and technological exactly. advances Exactly. So we work. should be saturating the market with 
more affordable housing, not seeking to curb it. Well, that, but that also, I mean, you said the, the state of California is using taxpayer dollars, a lot of taxpayer dollars to try to build these houses, yeah. right? So doesn't that go to show that, you know, independent private builders and contractors are not doing it? Right. And that They're the government doing, has to step in? No, because what California has been doing is they've been rent controlling. And so what rent controlling does and this is a little bit of a diversion out of the out of our topic but what rent controlling effectively says it says to landlords you can only charge this much amount sure and as inflation increases as more people move into the city as more people start to make money you can still only charge this amount okay. and so if you're so a developer it's not incentivizing the developers no not yeah. at all okay i see what you mean I see so what you mean. of course of course government money has to now start flowing in if they want more affordable housing because the market doesn't want to provide it exactly because there's no money to be made off of it because you've said you can only charge this amount which i mean it, that leads into a lot of other darker stuff such as discrimination but that's a little that's a little off the point and so what california is basically experienced is according to the California Globe, they have roughly 134,000 homeless people, accounting to one quarter of the nation's total homeless population. That's insane. Which is insane. And so, again, what they want to do is spend more money, and it's grown. I mean, it's grown by 16 – it's up 52% from 2011, and this is all the Democrats. Like, this is one of those things where it's not really bipartisan. The Democrats have had control – and it's still terrible. And yeah. we're having some real terrible consequences, such as hypodermic needles on the street, human waste on the street. I mean, you were in Seattle. We've both been to New Orleans. That, but like 10 times worse. Exactly. And so according to Town Hall, from trash being illegally dumped to the city hall, becoming a rat-infested den in the city of L.A., it all points to the decay suff- suffered when Democrats run things, well, yeah, I totally, I totally agree with that. And they even say that new diseases are popping up. So you ready? What disease is starting to pop up? The plague. Dead serious. Yeah, the I mean, plague. I'm sure strains of strains it's of the like, bubonic plague. Yeah, strains is of stuff on, is that in the streets. Infect people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's how it started in the first place. Was poor sanitation. Exactly. That is exactly right. Carried by rodents, essentially. Yep. And yep. there's a plethora of rats in in L.A. So I mean, it's just crazy because. I mean, the plague that killed, what, two-thirds of Europe? Yeah. The, the plague is this back. Was, yeah, I mean, this is before we even had the idea of what it meant to be to, like, not have germs and have clean living conditions. Well, what's really interesting is, this is another little tad bit of history, the people that actually weren't infected and who were blamed for it all were Jews. Yeah. Because they actually washed themselves. Yeah. And so the rest of Europe was like, ah, we're dying. You guys aren't dying. Therefore, you did this. Yeah. You started it. <laughs> so I thought that I thought it was kind of funny. But even typhus has, has started out. Like these diseases that we have cured, essentially. Yeah, that and have are been eradicated. Non-existent. Well, they come back if you if you meet the same environmental exactly. nece- like necessities for that disease to exactly. show I, up. And the CDC says that only – there's only nine people a year get – stricken with the bubonic plague and usually they usually get it from like being up in the mountains and it'll just kind of it'll just kind of appear and they'll get bit by ticks or something sure living off of like rodents and it's like really it's a, it's easy fix right it's an easy fix you just take a little shot of antibiotics and you basically cured it but it's it's just it's just you're right it's just incredible that we are now living in there are places in the united states that are living in such squalor that diseases that we haven't seen in hundreds of years 
are beginning are to pop back. up. Yeah. Even though they're curable, it really speaks no, to... No, it's a serious problem. Yeah, to the level of, of homelessness mean, that we're yeah, actually doing. And so exactly. what is... So who's to blame for all of this, right? Who's to blame? Now, you already know mine. I mean... You already know who I think we should blame. I, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, you can play the blame game and stuff like that, but this could have... I mean, it could have happened to anybody, right? It could have been just poor decision-making and, like, you know, you're trying to do the best to find the best solution possible that could, like, appease people, right? And that's where this is coming from. Good back intentions. To the, Good exactly. intentions. So back to the original thing of, like, you know, making the law a little more lenient about, like, homelessness and, like, the presence of it in the city. It's because it's such a problem that, one, you're not really able to control it in the first place. And, two, like, you're trying to, you know, shed less bad light on, like, the po- – like, because, you know, in Charlotte, people talk about all the time where police have asked, like – homeless people to leave wherever you know they're they're sleeping at um and that just puts a bad license on the police force and that just like makes makes people makes people like think of it the wrong way so by being a little more lenient as a state you come across as like oh like good intentions like you said that you're compassionate it's like i understand you don't have anywhere else to go it's okay but it also is a slippery slope because you said it could lead to increased levels of homelessness which it obviously has yeah and then it also you know it just results in problems that we're seeing right now where it's like poor sanitation and sometimes you do the city can't keep up sometimes you do need to crack down on it i mean you back in um new york city times square used to be a trash heap and even like the metro systems were terrible everything was i mean it was it used to be really dark and rudy giuliani became the mayor and he cracked down on it hard, like really hard. I mean, completely disidentifies anyone from being in Times Square homeless. Yeah. Um, basically, when people would throw up like graffiti on the subway lines, he would pay a lot. The city paid a ton of people to go around and scrub them down. So each time a person threw up graffiti, it would be gone in like the next day. So there was no incentivized to put anything up. Because people knew that it was just going to anyway. disappear. Yeah. Um, well, and so, yeah, you, and that's so when, you need to crack down on that. That's when they now, changed the face of New York. Yeah. Right. And because now New York has become, you go to Times Square, everyone wants to go to Times Square. It's a tourist attraction. It yep. makes a ton of money. Yep. Advertisers now want to throw up stuff there. It did not used to be like that. Oh, of course. Yeah. You people used to uh, avoid it like the plague. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you like that? <laughs> so who is Gavin Newsom blaming? <sighs> Gavin Newsom. And I quote, the vast majority of San Francisco's homeless people also come in from, and we know this, from Texas. Just an interesting really? fact. That's what he's claiming. He's claiming that the vast majority of California's homelessness, specifically San Francisco, are coming in from Texas. Okay. If this seems kind of weird to you, it should be. Because none of that statement is true sure none of it maybe they're like oh 60 degree weather all year round that is the ideal setup for somebody who doesn't have oh no it is it is no california is a great place to go if you're homeless the weather's always always nice always fair it's always fair so a california state assembly assembly man assembly man i don't know why there you go it's okay took me so long to say your time chuck devore stated san francisco had has this program where they give bus tickets to people who say they have friends or relatives that can take care of them and take them in. Of the people that go out of state, the number one destination is Texas for 6.7% of people in San Francisco. 
So it is the number one destination. Okay. But only 6.7% of the people in San Francisco actually go to Texas. Sure. They have friends and relatives that in Texas that they've agreed to take care of them. That doesn't mean the majority of the homeless in San Francisco come from Texas. It means Texas is a popular destination as it is for California. So according over to Statesman, of the 70% of people that live in the city, more than half, or 55%, reported living in San Francisco for a decade or more before losing their home. And just 6% say they have lived in the city for less than a year. So most of the people are living have been there have for a been long there time. for a while and if if they want to leave then the majority go to texas but that doesn't mean so first off that doesn't mean that there are a bunch of texas homeless people coming to san francisco yeah that's quite just, the opposite, just not right? not what that not what that means also yeah wouldn't make sense too if you like know you know the problem there is already so bad like you going there is probably not the best option for like I don't know, chances to find a job and, like, you know, get back on your feet. It's – so that's why this thing with Austin is also kind of surprising because this comes on the heels of everyone now – this is after Gavin Newsom said this – everyone now really looking at the problem in California and breaking it down and seeing the plague is popping up and all these terrible, terrible things and people, businesses wanting to leave of because course. of this. Yeah. And so – it, it still amazes me why other cities are like, you know what? Yep. Seems smart. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, not let's not just a do good that. move on Austin's part. No, not not at all. So hopefully we'll get our I, – I want I – want, my thing is I want everybody off the streets. That would be wonderful. It's not realistically possible. We have spent billions of dollars over decades to try and fight poverty, the war on poverty. It doesn't really equate to much. We, yeah, we but just, there's, we I just mean, throw I still money think, at it. I still think there's more we can do, right? There's always more we can do, but throwing money at it isn't going to solve anything. No. I, I think it I, – I mean, it, it, of course, it all starts with good intentions, but it's not just throwing money at it. Like, you have to – and I think this is what, what hopefully will happen as a result of all this is, like, we look at California, we see what's going on with them, and then people analyzing it realize, okay, maybe this – plan of action is not the best plan of action and from there we learn we grow and then we figure out a better way than just throwing money or you know trying to appease people and trying to like just throw it under the rug yeah so like we we start creating better and better solutions right so one i think it takes people to actually realize that they've made mistakes and it seems that the california legislative cannot they cannot realize that they've actually made a mistake mistake so they're just going to throw more money at it and two I think the majority of these people have drug addiction, mental illness, and being on the street is not safe. Of course. They should not be of on course. the street. Yeah. We should, they should be encouraged or even forced, in, my, in some of my opinions, to go to mental health areas which they can get proper treatment. They don't have a right to live on the public street. They don't have that right. Yeah. It's not – there is no right in the, in the Constitution that says you can live – Anywhere you want, as long space. as it's not yeah. private property. No, that's that's not true. That that that's just not true. There's yeah. nothing in the Constitution that that says that. So hopefully, the best thing that could happen is governors like Galvin Newsom say, "All right, we made some mistakes. Let's try and fix this." Instead of and try okay, to work something new. Yeah. yeah. Instead of instead of saying it's Texas' fault. What, what? dude? How, what? 
what? And it's, it's just, it's just yeah, not my point, fault. Pointing figures is not going to get anybody anywhere. No, no, of course not. So moving, moving on from that heavy piece about my rants about the, the homeless problem in America, what do you got for us today, Big Shoots? All right, man. Um, so on a lighter note, uh, we're going to talk about something I found on the Internet this weekend. Um, it's, it's a real thing. And I'm going to get it for you for Christmas, I've decided. Hey, really? Spoilers. What is it? Um, it's your new favorite board game. So, Hasbro, everybody knows them, right? The toy company, right. board game company. Uh, they've started selling a, I'm going to say this, a new, fun, totally hip. Totally hip, because it's like, this doesn't it's, sound it's good. edgy and youthful. I don't, I don't um, like where this is it's going. It's a special edition of Monopoly. Oh. Can you guess what it is? Oh, I think I've heard of this. Is it the Socialist Monopoly? That's right. Oh, my God. Yep. That's right. It's called Monopoly Socialism. Oh, I love that. That's right. Um, and actually, on the box, it says, winning is for capitalists. <laughs> winning is for capitalists. So that's that's the title of the game, right? It's like, on the box, it's like, Monopoly Socialism, winning is for capitalists. Yeah, the point, the point of the game is to get all your other opponents to quit. There you go. Quit <laughs> before you do. And this is, like, actually a real thing. Like, it's available that's to hilarious. purchase. Like, Hasbro actually released it. And it's honestly, it's doing a great job of poking fun at the government ideology that we all love so much. So does it give any details on, on the game board setup? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so is it like, go to instead of go to jail, it's go to gulag? <laughs> go, to, go to the gulag. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. Oh my gosh. So yeah, so I'll, I'll dive in a little bit. I'll give you a little bit more detail about the game uh, to get you excited. So... Uh, before I start, I just want to read the like the very first paragraph okay. in the instruction booklet. All right, right? I'm it, excited. It puts a great tone on the whole game. <laughs> so the the first paragraph reads: It starts with "Let's work together to rebuild our community." Oh, noble! In big letters, very right? noble. And then under that, our shared goal. So this is like the shared goal right. of all the players in the game. Socialism is about cooperation. As fellow citizens and community organizers, we pledge to, and they give us a couple bullets. Move around the board and revitalize our town by contributing to one another's projects. Unless okay. <laughs> we can steal projects to get ahead. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. Unless se- we can steal. <laughs> and then second, maintain our, vi- our vital community unless depleting it helps us win. <laughs> I love all these unless. Dude, it's I really, great. I really love this. Third one, always act in the best interest of the group. Unless it's more fun to act in our own self-interest. <laughs> oh, God. This then, is, we're, we're definitely getting this. And then the last one is forget competition and individual glory in the pursuit of a socialist utopia. Unless you're the first player to contribute all your 10 chips to projects, <laughs> then you win. Unless you're the dictator. <laughs> Unless you become the dictator. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. I love that, dude. Dude, it's great. May, so other like major changes to the game include player tokens such as a phonograph. Oh, a pocket a... watch <laughs> and like you were talking about earlier those brick cell phones from the 80s yeah really yeah that's great so they replaced like the car and the shoe with more like much older stuff older stuff that you would find in a socialist society <laughs> you would find because, in the USSR. Uh, technological developments <laughs> <laughs> we don't need those those are for capitalists oh man another great one so when players pass go instead of in the original game where you collect two hundred dollars you're only given a $50 living wage. <laughs> <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. That's great. That I is mean, a direct jab at Cortez I and know. all of them. That's it's hilarious. It's so great. It's so great. A $50 living wage. I thought you'd have to be like um, 
was it Pasco and give two hundred dollars for the state <laughs> and or give two hundred dollars? No, you get your living wage. Get your living that wage. That you should donate to the community. Of yeah, course. which you should donate, of course. And then the last, last little, last little fun piece. So, projects is what they're called. Have replaced property. So, if you remember in the original Monopoly game, you go around the board purchasing properties right. and building houses and hotels and all that. So instead of properties, now it's projects. Okay, that makes sense. So for the community, um, and players take turns contributing to these projects. Uh, with names such as Healthcare for All Hospital. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> and Together We Rise Bakery. Together We Rise Bakery. That was bakery. my favorite one. That's pretty creative. Together We Rise. It's a bakery. God, that's we're definitely gonna have to yeah, get that. So you just you just win by like basically contributing the most to all the projects. Right. And becoming dictator. God, I love that description. Unless and what, dude, that, we, we have, I really we wanted four. to read that because it was that's like great. it's all about community. Unless, Unless it's better for your self interest. <laughs> which is the which is really exactly what Which is perfect. Is. It's perfect. It is perfect. It's that's why it's so fitting. funny, is because it's like yeah, they got it they got it so right. I mean they nailed they, they nailed that one job. on the head. So I'm I'm excited to get that. Dude. I'm really excited to get that. Don't That'll worry, be a lot of fun. It's going to be your Christmas present, and then we'll have plenty of wholesome family fun. That would be so much <laughs> making fun. Making fun of socialism. And of course, of course, you know, people are out there, professors, politicians, yada, 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 that are upset about it because you oh, know, it's shining cares? a bad light on socialism. Oh, weird. Because weird how we should do that. I don't know. It's not like um, socialism has led to problems such as Russia, the China, death, the death Venezuela, of maybe about a hundred million people, mass famine. Yeah, weird. Mass weird genocide. how we should be maybe disincentivizing. I don't know. It. Yeah, may, maybe we shouldn't be pointing out its flaws. That's silly. Well, of yeah. course, of course. Hey, the socialist man, you can't make fun of him. That's right. You're not allowed to make fun of him. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. It's it's hate speech. It's right. That's, not only that's is it hate speech, yes, someone's gonna. You better watch out. <laughs> it's violence. But honestly, I just I think it's so great that Hasbro, great. like this huge corporation right. that's been around for decades, and they make toys, has the like the balls to release a game yeah, like this that I agree. just like makes fun of socialism. Yeah, like, I, I agree. I mean, any good American company should have no problem making fun of socialism yes. because without capitalism, you wouldn't be the corporation you are now. No. But it's it's just great. It's great to see that like something like that. Yeah, I agree. Up. I did not expect it from Hasbro of all people. I yeah. expected it to be kind of like a spoof, a spoof exactly. monopoly think, made from another. But it's like Hasbro is actually backing it, yeah. man. It's That's awesome. crazy. It's they hilarious. just make little. They make like Bionicle and stuff like that. Not <laughs> <laughs> socialism for. Oh, that's great! I mean, they man. make tons of board games, but yeah. th- this is this is huge. I'm a I'm a big fan. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to be. A I'm big gonna have fan to as buy well. some more Transformers to. You know, contribute to Hasbro. Just to contribute to what a to what show a, my appreciation. To show your appreciation. We're yeah. gonna have to, well, we're gonna get we're gonna get the game. We're gonna have to play it. Yeah, we'll that we'll have like a great time. That sounds like a ton of fun. So moving on, and this this is a great transition, actually. Right. This great. is a wonderful transition. Glad I so could help. there are few things in my life that I demand consistency over. One, I have eaten the same thing at Chipotle for I think three and a half to Ooh. four years. I okay. demand I was about consistency. To say, it's hard. It's hard to find consistency anywhere. But I guess ordering the same thing at Chipotle is pretty close. Yeah, it's gotten to the point where I'll have like my entire order ready. But if there isn't the Chipotle Tabasco sauce, I'm out. Oh, like that's I'll right. I'll go that. I'll go to the store. You got so upset when and, they didn't have the Tabasco, <laughs> and I'll buy the Tabasco sauce, and then I'll eat. Oh my god! Yeah, I have a backup. I have a backup bottle of Tabasco sauce in my refrigerator. <laughs> See, that's overkill. That that's overkill. It has to be. It has to be correct. Okay, like, everything has to be correct. I I understand. I understand to get the proper experience. Yes, right? and so the second thing is 
historical accuracy. You see, I went to I went to college. I didn't specialize in computer science or engineering. Um, Jeez, I, why do you gotta be, I became, why you gotta be so condescending? My God. I'm not being condescending. I just I'm saying that I went to a liberal arts college and I didn't really graduate with, with to be honest, a skill. To to be perfectly honest <laughs> with you, so all I have is my history. I, so, I would say that's a skill, like the the ability to like analyze historical evidence, and it's not. I would say, yeah, it's much more of like a a mental skill than it is exactly. an actual like job skill. You're, yeah. Okay. I see what you mean. I see what you mean. So I demand certain levels of historical accuracy, and I get pretty pissed off when when people like misquote history and stuff. Yeah, or just completely misread it. Okay. So what happened is a Duke University. Psychiatry professor named Dr. Alan Alan Francis claimed President Trump is responsible for millions of deaths and said that he is millions of deaths and said he is more destructive and more destructive than infamous dictators such as Adolf Hitler, Mao Zedong, and Joseph Stalin. And the quote is Trump is as destructive as a as destructive a person in this country as Hitler, Stalin, and Mao were in the last century. He may be responsible for many more million deaths than they were. He needs to be contained, but he needs to be contained by attacking his policies, not his person. So a couple things. There's a couple things in that quote that I'm going to talk about. One, this guy can go screw himself, first off. I think that needs to be number one. If you're – there is such a – it's it's really surprising, and I'm surprised that he's an actual doctor because it takes a certain level of ignorance – to even it's also I mean it's also disrespect too. Right. So yeah. so there's a couple things. I'm gonna get into that. It is disrespect. Sure, sure. First thing is it takes a certain level of ignorance to try and claim that Trump is anywhere near the level of sophistication and even and I'm not trying to say that Hitler, Stalin, and Mao were nice people. They were terrible people terrible and they should people. burn in hell. But they were incredibly they were bright. Smart cookies. Yeah. I mean, my God. Trump I mean it, it speaks for himself. Like I can't even, I can't even say that it's with like, like you, a straight face. I know you can't even be like, yeah, Trump's at the same intellectual level. He, sure. He's not. There's, there's no way. And I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll prove it to you. I know less. I know less about Hitler, and I'm trying to. I'm, I'm gonna. Then my next book, my next history book, is gonna be uh, like a Hitler biography. But Mao, there's no way. I mean, he's nowhere near. Yeah. The level of dedication. Mao started the great, or Mao started. The long march with over a hundred thousand people. Do you know how many he ended it with? Seven thousand. If you went on that march, you had a point zero seven percent chance That's of living. Nuts. That's nuts. And then he rebuilt himself and beat the Nationalist Party. Well, yeah, that's true. And then Stalin straight up dedicated his entire life, his entire life, to politics. Was exiled to Siberia three times. And he somehow came back every yes. time, right? Trump what what does Trump do? Trump was given given his money from his father. Yep. Had some failed real estate, had a failed school, had a failed wine, had a lot of failures. <laughs> Learning from a lot of failures. <laughs> um, screwed a porn star, then paid the porn star not to talk about it. Um, and then somehow miraculously became the president of the United States. The, the level. What an adventure. <laughs> what an adventure. But the level of sophistication of these. It's so different. It's yeah. so different. And it's, it's I hate, because people do this a lot. They're like, oh, well, you know, Trump is a, is a, is a polarizing figure. 
he is such an aggressive speaker, and you know Hitler, Stalin, and Mao were the same same way. Yeah. Um, so obviously so, we're just connecting dots. We're here, just going to connect the dots. So <laughs> there's a huge there's a huge difference. Then I'll move on to the second point. Hitler, Stalin, and Mao truly believed in what they were doing. And they would stop at absolutely nothing to accomplish to accomplish that goal. That goal. Yeah. Trump believes that we should build the wall. If Trump doesn't get the wall, he's not going to be like, "All right, well, you know what we should do? People are going to die. People are going to die. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna we are going to exile Nancy Pelosi. There you we're, go. <laughs> we're going to throw Ilan Omar and Ocasio Cortez into the gulag." No, if if he doesn't get the wall, he's not going to get the wall. If he doesn't get the wall, yeah, tough luck. Yeah. One, because our institutions would never let him do that, and two, that that's just not his character. That's not, yeah. That's just simply not his character. So to even to even claim that they're anywhere related is a mystery to history. And two, moving on to your point, it is so disrespectful to the almost hundred million people. That, that have, those three yeah. leaders killed. Well, that's the first thing I thought of is right. when you brought it up was like, yeah, the fact that this that this professor guy, professor, okay, sure. Um, yeah, okay, sure, maybe. <laughs> if you say so. If you say so, dude. Um, yeah, that he like equates it to like these dictators that have killed hundreds of millions of people. Like, like yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like all the Jews that died in the Holocaust, like all the citizens of Russia and China that right, have so, died under these terrible systems. Yeah, Holocaust, I think around six or seven million. Stalin about 22 million through starvation and exile and then Mao we're not entirely sure but anywhere the low number the low number I think is 20 million and the high number is 60 million yeah just so like combined just like the amount of people that have died from these people and then you're just you're gonna you're gonna like disrespect like all these people that have died Right. By, you know, saying, oh, Trump is the exact same. Like, and it actually makes Hitler, Stalin, it, ma- it makes Hitler, Stalin, and Mao seem less. Less evil. Yeah. Right? Because, honestly, Trump isn't, he's not evil. Like, no, he's he, not evil at all. He's an idiot a lot of the times. Yes. And he might make people mad, but he, uh, he I would not say he's evil. No, he's not. I don't think anyone could say he's evil. No. And so when you, when you characterize him as. These the big three almost the evil big three. Seriously, it makes the evil big three look less destructive. That's right. Because if your only reference is oh well, Stalin was just like Trump. Stalin doesn't look that bad I don't anymore. Think you understand what's what Stalin was like? Yeah, and that, that's the second thing you, you you don't understand what Stalin actually went through. So my recommendation is open a damn history book, <laughs> because and I. Because, I mean, I love talking about this, and I could talk about it for a long time. You can learn so much from these three. I yeah. mean, you really can. You can learn a ton. Especially, you can learn how they got to where they went. Like, mentally, too. Like, what how they got there. Because the, the people they became. Right. Sure. And we can learn how to avoid that the next time. Yeah, that's good. And so, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's good. And so, if we keep, and this is really, this is a Maoist tactic. This really is to demonize your enemy mm. in to basically say that they're the devil and anything that we do to them is justified because they're evil. Yeah. It's Maoist. I mean, it really is. Like, yeah. that's what Mao did, did to his stuff, opponents. Right? And that's what Stalin did to his opponents. And that's what Hitler did to his opponents. Well, that's how you get a leg up. That's how, like, you know. You push whatever agenda you have yeah, to you the don't, extreme, right? You don't have to talk about their policies or what they stand for. You can just say they're evil, and that's that. 
Yeah. So it's it's kind of hard to kind of like hard, hard to hard to argue. Hard to argue that when you're just like, yeah, they're yeah, they're evil. And so I always I love saying this. It never it never starts with book burning. People always like to say, oh well, you know, if if the if people just started going out in the streets and just burning books or committing genocide, I I would stop them. Well, really, no. Like statistically speaking, you wouldn't. You would not stop them for a couple reasons. One. It it never starts with book burning like we slowly get yeah. there. And one of the I, th- I first, think it takes time. One of the first levels is demonizing your political opponents to the level of them just being the devil. Or even just other countries, right? Right, right. And second, statistically, you're not gonna step up. Uh there's a great book. If you if you doubt this, there is a great book called Ordinary Men, and it goes through I think the hundred and first reserve police battalion in Nazi Germany. And these were a bunch of middle-aged dudes. They weren't in the army. They weren't in the SS. And they were driven out to a village, about 500 of them driven out to a village. And they were issued the order to go into the village and kill everyone. There were a bunch of Jews in there and to kill them all. And guess how many people stood up and said no? Because the command, this is when the commander gave them an option, which was not typical. He gave them an option and he said, if you don't feel comfortable doing this, you don't have to. Really? He did, which was not typical. 50, I would imagine. 50 of them stood up and said no. 10%. That's it. That's, that's it. crazy. And that's when they were given an option. Yeah. Think about it when you're not given an option. How many people actually stand up? Exactly. So statistically, no, you're not going to stand up yeah. to the dictator or to the, the – com- and this is, this is how we get there. Like it really is. And this is so sad that we now have to live in a society in which we're starting to see the slow – build up to destruction and Mm -hmm. how we can't reach across the aisle and how we can't look at each other without assuming bad intentions. It's scary. That is how you get to these communist and fascist dictators. That's how you get them. That's how you get there. But also it also goes to say that it's like, this is not everybody, right? Like this is some professor from Duke that probably is a tenure and nothing better to do than to like spew shit out of his mouth. But Trump's been compared to Hitler for a long time. I mean, let's not just let's not pretend That's this true. is the he's first not, time I mean, this he's has not happened. the only one. You're he's right. been compared to Hitler a lot. Yeah. And yeah, again, I'm I'm not I know a lot more about Stalin and Mao, but I can safely assume that he's nothing like Hitler. Of course not. I mean no. nothing. And like the their biggest evidence is like, oh well he speaks so aggressively. Hitler speaks aggressively. Come on! Wow, I, I feel like I speak pretty aggressively. Yeah, if that's the I don't case, think I'm Hitler. Yeah, so. if, that, if that's the case, you speak pretty aggressively. So, I don't know, dude. I, I, don't, I, I don't know, man. Watch out! Watch out! I'm gonna be the next. Don't become a politician. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my God, I'm just gonna be just gonna become Hitler. That's how they do it. They just they demonize Trump as Hitler, and then anyone that supports him is a fascist. Yeah, it's dangerous, man. It's, so it's a it's a it's a slippery slope. Yeah, as they say, and it it really it really pisses me off, and I hope that this guy first off can go screw himself, and second or off, just or just learns, right? Yes, and second off, open a history book, even, like just open no, a history even, book. Like I don't, maybe somebody talks to him about it. Maybe here's this podcast, which is like a zero percent chance, but <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but like regardless, like if he you know in the future takes the time, reads a book, kind of realizes you know the claims he's making are just ridiculous. And it's also and he just learns, right? And That's if you what take, we want. If you take his last, it says, but he needs to be contained by attacking his policies, not his person. That's but you just a, attacked a, his person. That's a yeah. A, a, yes. That, that's exactly that's well, I guess exactly it, but true. But it's hard not to is a thing. So 
it's an ad so attacking your person and not your policy is obviously it's an ad hominem fallacy like you should do that exactly. and second off it's kind of a counterpoint so you label this man as evil and we should oppose him at all costs but we shouldn't oppose him we should oppose his policy what if you're gonna hey it's man tough. Yeah. if you're gonna go in 100 percent Go 100%. Well, that's the thing is he, like, backs off of his he original does. claim. He does. It almost seems like he said he said the dirty thing out loud and was like, shit, um, I don't know if I should have said that. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure if it's I like, should have oh, said that. Oh, I'm only, I'm only equating it to his policies, man. It yeah, yeah, yeah. It's nothing to – Yeah. I didn't, I didn't say Trump is Hitler. I said Trump – Maybe his policies are. policies are Hitler-ish. Ish. Maybe. So it seems, yeah, it seems like he backed off. Uh, like, he yeah. realized what he said and was like, that might be a little crazy. It's all pretty ridiculous. It is a little ridiculous. But it's, I mean, it's telling. It's telling about where this country is going. And it's also telling that there is a complete lack of some historical understanding. Well, yeah. Well, that's, I mean, but at the end of the day, like, I mean, there's always going to be problems like that. Right. No matter where you go. Right. So I, I think, I think, moral of the story, best thing to come out of this is, you know, to try to have conversations with people, try to yeah, reach promote history. No, no, try to promote history. Yes, right? that's a big one. And try to like, you know, especially people that you can tell kind of have like a misunderstanding with history, especially with history, but just have a misunderstanding of like what's going on or what they're saying. I think without trying to attack the person back, try to find a way to be like, hey, maybe you should read history maybe you yeah. should educate yourself a little bit more and that's a big and problem I mean, it's, it's tough to tell people it's thing. a big problem for our generation too i mean we get out of college and people the, think they know everything that and no one reads anymore and no, no one read no one and history is yeah like, no one tries to learn not as important as it was no so you get out of college and no people our age tend to just they did all their learning in college and that's it yeah so they're not going to pick up a book they're not gonna. I mean, they'll listen to some podcasts, but nothing. But they'll. I mean, they're. I mean, gonna, you can listen gonna... to podcasts all you want, but the problem is, you also. And this is why I enjoyed my history major. You need to build a foundation. Sure. Like you need. You need a foundation. You need to understand stuff, not just from people telling you word of mouth. And I cannot. Like, I do not have the amount of time on this show or the amount of. To explain it, I don't want to write a book. So exactly. You need to go read because I do not have the book, amount of time right? to explain to you like basic history. Yeah. You need to go read and you need to go figure out what your thought is by yourself. Exactly. That's what you, that's what I think the moral story is. And we can obviously see that even with these, some these of the these doctors, yeah, these professors are bad news. Right? Taking that to heart. But I mean, that's that's how it is with a lot of people coming out of college, man. Like you especially see the Chapel yeah. Hill, like people are just blinded by you know this perspective that is like this collective perspective right like this collective liberal perspective that everybody should have and so you go out into the real world with like this understanding without a lot of foundation without exactly. a lot of understanding of history um and i mean it's a shame but at the same time it doesn't mean you can't change exactly and it doesn't mean you can't continue to educate yourself and that's one of the big lessons these cats should learn yeah uh is no that uh, open a book guess what guys you can Learn more after college, and uh, uh weird, yeah, weird. and like you're gonna spend the rest of your life educating yourself. Hopefully, so, cross our fingers. Hopefully, but that's the thing is like, you know, stuff you can do to help people, right? Yeah. And it's just promote you help yourself, promote education, promote history. Yeah, right. And like that's that's how we move away from more people sounding like this professor dude and and being dumb dumbs and yeah. people 
getting a real understanding of stuff first. Yeah, and I love I love studying the big evil three because it shows how we got there. Like, how did we get to it? Didn't Stalin didn't wake up one day and was like, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna kill 22 million people. <laughs> no, that's not. He didn't do that. And same thing with Mao. Yeah, of course. Mao didn't wake up one day. He's like, you know what? I'm gonna create the single greatest human-made catastrophe the world has ever seen. No, no, he did not. He didn't wake up and want to do that. Of course. So we it have all it, starts somewhere. Right? It all starts somewhere. And as I say, never starts with book burning. It never starts there. Yeah. So, well, moving on from that kind of deep topic that I get, I get, I get pretty, I get pretty mad about that kind of stuff when people do that. So we've we've all heard the claim that drinking wine, a glass of wine a night, I don't know, keeps the the doctor away. I don't, it doesn't rhyme, but all the I basic that's the basic it's concept. About them antioxidants, bro. Right. Mm. And so, study a study has come out. Okay. Trying to prove that, and this is this is I think this is a very fairly common occurrence in our misread of how we handle like chemicals. So I'll read to you the study, then I'll kind of go into into one of the more telling facts. Sure. So there, there's a, gr- a group of researchers over at the University of Buffalo gave mice 10 milligrams of resveratrol. Oh, God. I am, I'm so bad at pronouncing stuff. Just, just do your I best. Had it, I had it down like before the podcast. I was like, oh, yeah, now I know what it, it is. I did. I practiced it. <laughs> I practiced saying it. Resveratrol. Resveratrol, yeah, R E S V E R A T R O L, yeah, Resveratrol. All right, that's what I'm gonna say. Something like that. Reverse, Reversatrol. All right, just keep, just keep going, just keep going. (laughs) To counteract (laughs) the effects of enzyme, you ready for this one? Phosphodiesterase. I'm just gonna call it PED four. That's the abbreviation. Okay. But just know that a really long word is that what it stands for? That's fine. I will take the abbreviation. P D E E P D E four. Ah. My Jeez. God, I know. <laughs> I get, I get psyched. I psyched just, myself just out. Just slow down. Just slow down, man. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna cry. The mice, the mice did not get wine drunk. Um, so this, this comp, this compound, resveratrol, has been linked with blocking this PDE4, which can cause, which is like a main shuttle enzyme to create depression and anxiety. Okay. To the brain. So they're saying the mice did not get wine drunk for this experiment, and there's not enough resveratrol in red wine for the compound's depression, diminishing properties to kick in. So while you've seen headlines touring a glass of wine's ability to ease depression and anxiety, that's not quite true. Yes, resveratrol inhibits PDE4, but it's not exactly a cure-all wine enthusiast might be hoping for. So you might be saying to yourself, well, if it does block... PDE4, why are these scientists saying you shouldn't be drinking red wine? Because you're getting, because resveratrol is in red wine. Well, you just said there's not enough in it, right? right. And so, do you, do you want, would you like to know? Sabari are expensive medication instead. <laughs> yeah. Would you like to know how many bottles of wine you would need to drink in order to get one gram, which is the recommended dose of resveratrol? How much? 200 bottles. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be long dead. You'd be long dead. I mean, in one sitting, sure. Yeah. But the think about all those like white middle aged moms out there that have like a bottle a night. You know, I would think you know by your late sixties, you probably have one gram in there. Dude, this is the daily recommended dose. Okay. Yeah, daily sure. recommended daily, dose. Daily, not to get so one much. Gram. Lifetime. Okay, maybe. 
Yeah, so 200 bottles of wine. So if you wanted to do, let's say you just want to go right to the source and you wanted grapes. You wanted to do grapes. Okay. Guess how many grapes you would need to oh, eat? Oh, it's got to be a couple thousand, right? 1,700 pounds. Oh, pounds. Pounds. Oh, my God. <laughs> pounds of Damn, grapes. Damn, that's a lot of grapes. That's a lot of grapes. And so if you wanted to do, so there's also Reservatrol in blueberries. Okay. And I is feel. It, is it just like, is it just a common theme in fruit or is it just. It's in, I believe it's in the skin. Oh, the skin okay. and the seeds of the fruit. Oh, so you don't even actually need to eat the grapes. You just got to eat the skin. Right. So guess how many blueberries you need to eat. How many blueberry skins you need to eat. There you go. Um, so you, I feel like you already know where this is going. So hit me with a number. Uh, just uh, prob- probably, let's see, compared to A grapes, day. This is a day. I'd, I'd give it like, you know, 5,000. More. 10,000? <laughs> 10,000. 10, okay. <laughs> 10,000 blueberries a day. Holy cow. Can you imagine... No, no, I because I can't. Nobody can. I cannot actually picture it in my mind. I can't mind. imagine eating twenty blueberries in one <laughs> But I can't even imagine in my mind what that would look like on a kitchen table. Ten thousand blueberries or one thousand seven hundred pounds of grapes. Jeez, that would take up my entire kitchen. Yeah, and that's how much you need to eat in a day. Okay. So it so turns out that unfortunately, maybe we should probably just get this from medication. Well, I mean, if you're right, you would have to be synthetically produced because yeah. there's no way they're going to be like, like here's a pill with one no gram. Way. We had to take 200 <laughs> bottles of wine. <laughs> and even if it was like, what's, what's the most, what's the crappiest? Franzia. A oh, <laughs> hundred like bags of Franzia <laughs> to get one capsule. It's not worth it. So it would have to be synthetically produced, Damn. obviously. Obviously. So unfortunately for all... The people out there that think that drinking wine is somehow supposed to be cure your depression or anxiety. It 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 does. Well, it does, but it doesn't. It's one of those things. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. Does, it, but does, it does, but it doesn't. It does, I, but I like, it doesn't. I like looking at it like that. And also placebos, too. That's probably like true. If, like, if wine is like your thing, like you go home, drink a glass of wine, and you, and think you, it you will. feel yeah. better, and yeah. you feel better. Well, it's kind of alcohol. I feel really like, good when I drink, too. All right. I think. But, but yeah, look, taking, but it's like any placebo, right? Yeah, if you think it's going to help, it'll help. Me taking straight shots of, of liquor, man, that, let me tell you what, I don't feel depressed well, anymore. Yeah, what do you think I do when I get home from work every day, you know? That's a great Come cure. back super anxious, <laughs> just shotgun like a couple beers, and I'm golden. <laughs> and we're golden. And this also speaks to a pretty common fact in our how we understand chemicals because there are some chemicals out there that we take for granted that could kill us real quick so the pit of what like is it cherries peaches and like cherries have cyanide in them right? yeah contain if you crush it i think you have to only get like five if you crush it, it has to be crushed so if you eat like a cherry pit you're good you're perfectly fine yeah you have to crush the cherry pit and it's got enough cyanide to kill you wow which is crazy but then there are other drugs that just like this Reservatrol, that you need just so much, and it, it, it's weird because I think it was, I think it was vitamin D. People were saying, oh well, you know, you can max out like vitamins can be unhealthy in larger quantities, and this guy was like, bet, and took like over a thousand percent of the daily recommended dose. Oh my gosh! For vitamin D, like every day, and he was fine. He was perfectly fine. Yeah. So there was. So it's really, it's really kind of a weird thing we have with with chemicals sometimes. Well, I, don't we don't, think, I don't think we understand them at all. To be no, honest. we don't, and we always advertise 
like the best thing that could possibly happen without realizing that you know what it it might take a lot or it might be super unhealthy yeah like taking that much could be i'm trying to i'm trying to think of any i'm trying to think of an example but one isn't one isn't coming to mind but i'm sure there's so many things oh, that too we too much of that we that or that hey, too much just, protein you get kidney stones that's man. right that's that's absolutely correct that's a thing. That, so that's all, absolutely correct. All you bros out there that eat like 50 grams of protein in one sitting, stop. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, don't eat over the recommended dose of protein. All you need is like 25. Well, you need one, your like body. Sitting. You need your body weight in grams. I think is what people. Yeah, are but saying. it's also how much you can process at a time. Right. Too. Right. But yeah, that's absolutely correct because we're always like protein, protein, protein. And you need like, a lot no, of protein. No, and like no. No, hold on, stop, hold on, stop. Same thing with carbs too. Carbs can cause well, they just can make you straight up fat. Yeah, and I think protein can also hurt your liver too if you have. Oh, I'm sure if you have too much of it. So, well, that that about wraps up our our podcast for today. Yeah. Parker, is are you sponsored by anybody today? Um, Anything that sponsored you? Oh, dude, I had a sponsor. Oh, dude, come on, I forget what it was. Well, um, I'll, I'll while you think. Yeah, I'll think. Go. What's your sponsor? My Nate? sponsor is um some heavy lunges I did at the gym and I pulled my hamstring. I heard about that. Yeah, so that's gonna be really fun. So I went from. A cough, which is cured, which is cured. You know what my real sponsor you is? Like once you know today. what my real sponsor is? My real sponsor is my immune the system. The human body. <laughs> the human body. I don't need to go to the doctor to get shot up on some drugs in order to cure my sickness. My body will do it for me. And that doesn't say that if I get like ammonia, I'm not going to be like, I refuse. No, I'll get it at that point. Oh, my gosh. But All for right. little stuff, so you're kind for of little stuff. No, I'm not hypocritical because it's like ammonia can kill you. My little cough. But I, I thought your immune system was strong, dude. Well, it's not that strong. Um, <laughs> it's not my, that strong. my little cough is not going to kill me. And if it does, I'll take some medication. All right. There you go. But if my body can get through it without getting doped up on drugs, then let, let nature run its course, man. That's all I, I got to say. So my, my sponsor has been my immune system proving you and my father wrong. So – you can you both. Didn't prove me you wrong. can both jump off a building. We can argue about this another time. <laughs> All right, what's yours? You think of yours? No, I totally uh, forgot. Dude. Um, but I'll, you know, I'll say I was sponsored by Modern Medicine because Nate's an idiot and uh, doesn't wow. seem to understand. You had a cough for like a month. It was which not a month. Been it was at least three. It weeks. It was like two weeks. Three weeks. It was like two weeks. Three weeks. It was like two weeks. Okay, whatever. <laughs> but it could have been cured in like a couple days if you just sucked it up and went to the doctor. Well, no. So that's my simple that's my simple explanation of that. Well, our our podcast drops tonight. Tonight, right? I mean, that's. Are you excited? This I'm will excited. be yeah. So like the first, this will be the first actual episode released like on date, and then the previous six episodes will be released tonight as well. Right. So if this wasn't enough for you, there's there's more. There's more. But, but wait. wait, there's more. <laughs> I'm excited, man. I'm excited. We're about to jump into the into the public sphere and probably get clocked. Clocked? Yeah. Like, what does that you know, mean? Like hit? Oh, okay. Clocked. Yeah. Metaphorically clocked. Metaphorically clocked. Through the online world. Yeah, through the online. The recessity yeah. of Twitter. I'm going to make a Twitter. That's right. Well, I've, I've never made a Twitter before. Really? Yeah. Nice. I'm making a Twitter for it. Welcome, it's crazy. Welcome to Twitter, dude. Yeah. I've, it's crazy. But yeah, we, we, will have, we have a Facebook page. Right. We will have a Twitter page once once Nate gets around to it. Yep. So, and I'm going to be you, dropping a website. Any, if you have anything to say, apparently we got a website. Uh, say, lot, apparently, there's a, there's a next lot week. of there's next, a lot of developments going on. By the end of next week, I'll have a website. All I know is we have a Facebook page right now. So if you have anything to say, 
if you want to give us some feedback or if you just hate or us. if you just yeah if you want to you want to share some hate with us that's fine dude it's okay just we're small enough it, that i'm 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 ready for that hate leave I'm it on to, our facebook i'm willing to respond to that hate. I'll, I'll give you like a little heart emoji on oh yeah the heart emoji. i'll throw up the little let's play eight ball game <laughs> <laughs> but yeah thanks for listening guys um and we'll see you tuesday Woo-woo.